The following audio is from the Grove Church Snohomish campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. We call that ridiculousness. Hey, my name's Andrew. I'm so happy you're here today at Grove Church Snohomish. That is my older brother, and it is fun to say thank you. Today we start a brand new series called Say It. It's going to be a three-week series where we're going to be focusing on gratitude. And so today we're going to talk about seeing it. Uh, Next week we're going to talk about saying it. And then lastly, we will talk about showing it when we wrap up this message. Uh, A couple little house things here before we jump into the text. First of all, if you're a guest with us here today and you're checking out the Grove Church in the I just want to say thank you so much for being here today. Um, as you came through the doors, you received a Connect card, and that's just our best way of getting to know you better. And so you can fill out that card with as much information as you feel comfortable with. It just tears. And then as we collect the offering at the end of service, um, we can drop it in the, in the bucket there, and we'll be following up with you this week. There's also another purpose for that Connect card that I want to highlight for a few minutes. Um, so currently right now at our church, we're averaging about four Connect cards a week. And it's a great opportunity, honestly, on that card to ask for prayer. And as you can see, there's more than four people in the room here, right? Um, But one of the things that we pride ourselves on that I believe is one of the most important things that we do as a team, as a staff, and as a church is having the opportunity to pray for you and partner with you in prayer throughout the week. And so I just want to encourage you today that if there's something that you're going through that you're needing prayer for, man, write it on that card. And what we do is every single week, our team sits down on a Monday afternoon. We pray for all those cards, lifting you up in prayer. But not only that, you'll be hearing from one of us throughout the week. I leave people messages on their phones praying for them. Maybe you've gotten one of those before. But I really believe so much, like I said earlier, in the power of prayer. I believe God moves in prayer. I believe God responds in prayer. I believe God answers prayer. And so I just would love to see maybe that average of four to a week to maybe go to like 10 or 15 or 20 a week where you're asking for prayer and that we can partner with you in prayer. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So that's a great opportunity if you need prayer today. The other thing that we're focusing on as a church right now is find your team. Uh, One of the cool things about our church that's very unique is we're a mobile church. So obviously we come in in the mornings and we set up and we tear down these incredible spaces. And it really is a privilege to be able to partner with the Snohomish School District and meet in this facility. But what also is a privilege is an opportunity to serve here at our church. And so if you're looking to get involved in serving, whether it's greeting at a door or helping with ushering, or maybe you want to show up early because you're an early bird on a Sunday and help us with setup, you can simply just go to grovesnohomish.info, fill out the card, or you can check it out at the guest table. I'd love to see you take a step into serving um, as you're beginning to get plugged in here at our church. So as we jump into this series, there's a debate going on right now. It's been going on for many, many years, and the debate goes something like this. It's a debate about Thanksgiving and Christmas, okay? All right, and the debate is basically like this. I'm sure you've had this conversation with your family. The debate is whether or not you're allowed to do anything related to Christmas before Thanksgiving, okay? Do you know about this debate? All right, it's, 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 it's crushing the nation right now, okay? All right, are you allowed to listen to Christmas 
music? Are you allowed to get your peppermint mocha from Starbucks? Are you allowed to buy your cranberry bliss bar before the Thanksgiving holiday? So I want to I wanna take a little bit of a poll today. All right, people are already getting riled up. I'm loving it. I want to take a little bit of a poll today. If you are the kind of person in here, or you and your family, where you're, man, before Thanksgiving, you're putting lights on your house, you're already getting your bliss bar, you're already listening to Christmas music. I mean, Thanksgiving is just kind of a part of Christmas in your mind, and you're already into it. If you're that person, go ahead and just raise your hand for me. All right? All right, go ahead and raise your hand. All right, awesome. Okay, okay, a lot of you in here, okay? Now, so for me and my family, Amanda and I, Amanda has a very strict rule about this, okay? You are not allowed to listen to Christmas music, drink any type of eggnog, put up anything on the house until after Thanksgiving, okay? So if you're that person, all right, if you're that person where you're like, no Christmas festivities at all until after Thanksgiving, Black Friday starts the Christmas season, go ahead and raise your hand. See, those are my people right there. You're God's chosen people, actually, okay? You're one of the elect, okay? Well, this got, this got all washed out in our family because we have little June now, and uh, she's our Christmas baby. She was born in December on the 18th, and so we, we've now just crushed all of this. My neighbor gets mad at me because yesterday I was actually putting lights on my house. He's like, boo, it's not even Thanksgiving yet, okay? But hey, however you land on, on the pole, it's kind of a funny thing, but there's a point here, right? And, and the point is that there's a tendency in our culture, and I'm sure you feel this a little bit right now as the holidays are approaching, there's a tendency just to kind of blow past Thanksgiving. Like, okay, just get, get through Thanksgiving, let's get to Santa, let's get to the tree, let's get to the gift opening, let's get to all those things. And what I'm finding a lot when I ask them, hey, hey, what's been going on? How you been doing? Oh, man, we're just so busy. Oh, man, we just got so many things going on. And I started thinking the other day, wasn't it just Halloween? Like literally last week it feels like. I mean, wasn't the stores all decorated with all the Halloween craziness and all the candy? And then I started thinking like, I feel like it was just yesterday was 4th of July. And yet now here we are four days away from Thanksgiving. And here's, here's the reality of it. There is a tendency just to go, go, go. And what ends up happening, if we're honest, is that we forget to pause. We forget to remember we forget to give thanks. We forget to respond to all the gifts that God's blessed us with because we're going a mile a minute trying to get to the next thing. See, my prayer for you during this series, this three-week series called Say It, my prayer for you more than anything is that God would instill with you such a level of gratitude, such a level of thanksgiving, such a response to how good and gracious God has been to you and to I. And so I think it's worth pausing for the next three weeks and really responding to gratitude and asking ourselves, what really is gratitude? Let's see it first today. So we're about to read a book uh, or a story, I should say, out of, out of the Gospel of Luke. And for some of us who are maybe new to Christianity or new to the Bible, in, in the New Testament, there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All four Gospels tell the life of Jesus, basically from his birth all the way to roughly about age 33 when he went to the cross and rose again. So all four Gospels tell the story of Christ. 
What's unique about each gospel is they all have different themes and ideas and different perspectives about what the person, when they were with Jesus, saw and experienced during the time of Jesus. So sometimes in the gospel of Matthew, there's a certain story that maybe isn't in the gospel of Luke or vice versa. Sometimes there's things in the gospel of John that maybe are not in the gospel of Mark because they all had a different perspective about what happened during the life of Jesus and their ministry with them. What's unique about Luke is that Luke was a doctor. Okay, Luke was a doctor, and so what we find in the Gospel of Luke, unlike maybe something like Mark, Luke decided to take a detailed account of everything that he witnessed and saw when it came to the ministry of Jesus. And because what he was a doctor, he was so detailed-oriented and had a brain that was wired for thinking through all the details that he ends up highlighting things in Jesus' life that maybe we don't find in the other Gospels. In fact, when someone first puts their faith in Jesus Christ and they're a new believer, we always encourage them to, hey, maybe you should start reading the Gospels. Maybe you should start dedicating yourself to reading something like the Gospel of John or Luke to begin to learn about Jesus. We're going to be in Luke 17 today, but I want to give you some of the themes of Luke because I think it kind of sets the stage for the story that we're going to be teaching on today. So Luke's themes, again, every Gospel has its themes. Luke's themes... There's a few, here's a few of them here. First of all, there's, there's the great reversal taking place in the world. This is one of Luke's themes. That the first are becoming last, and the last are becoming first. Luke places great emphasis on God's love for the poor, tax collectors, outcasts, sinners, women, Samaritans, and Gentiles. Many of the episodes and stories that appear in Luke are only in Luke. The Christmas shepherds, the prodigal son, the good Samaritan. Another theme of the gospel of Luke is the coming and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit upon Jesus and his followers. The Holy Spirit is present in the gospel of Luke from the birth of John the Baptist and Jesus to the end. The Spirit is present at Jesus' dedication in the temple, his baptism, his temptations, his early ministry, and his first sermon. In fact, what happened today in worship was, a, was God's spirit moving because what we believe is that when you get saved, you get an indwelling of God's spirit inside of you. And what ended up happening today in worship is we had Emily who had a powerful word from God that she felt was, was for certain people in this room. And I believe it was. But what also happened during service today is God's spirit just moving in this place to where we respond in prayer. We get to carry one another's burdens. And Luke has a very, very powerful message about the moving and the power of the Holy Spirit and the indwelling it for every believer. Lastly, believers are to live a life of prayer and practice good stewardship with their possessions. This is another theme in Luke. In Luke's narrative, prayer occurs at every major point in Jesus's life at his baptism, at the selection of the 12 disciples, at Peter's confession, at Jesus' transfiguration, in teaching on the Lord's prayer, and before Peter's denial. So again, different gospels, different themes. These are some of Luke's themes that I believe are really powerful to have in view as we read this story in Luke 17. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke 17 and verse 11. We're going to pick it up in the, in the midway point of the chapter. It says, as Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria, and he entered a village there. 
10 men. Everyone say 10 men. Come on, everyone say 10 men. 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give God glory, or to give glory to God, excuse me, except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go, your faith has healed you. Let's pray for God's word today. Lord, again, we just thank you, Lord, that your spirit is here. It's already moving. God, your presence, God, is already in our midst. And we thank you, God, that we have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. I thank you, God, that you're leading and guiding our church. And I thank you, God, for this season of gratitude, God, where we get to really reflect here just for a moment today on what does it look like to be thankful? Well, what does gratitude really look like? How can we see it? And I thank you that this story is going to illustrate that today. So right now, God, we just tell you, thank you for everything you've done in our lives. We give you this message. We give you this time. And all God's people prayed. Amen. Let's break this down a little bit here. Verse 11. Jesus is heading towards Jerusalem. In Luke 9.51, and throughout the theme of Luke, we see this language of Jesus heading towards Jerusalem. Or in 9.51, it says, Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. Okay, what this is alluding to at the beginning of this story, Jesus setting his face to Jerusalem, or Jesus heading to Jerusalem, is Jesus is fully aware of what he's about to do in the coming months and years. He has his face set to Jerusalem because he knows that in Jerusalem, he is about to be crucified. He's about to be tortured. He's about to be betrayed by his closest followers. He's about to be denied by Peter. He's about to be left at a cross with very few disciples and mostly women gathered around at the cross. And he recognizes and knows that this is where he's heading towards. He knows that he's going to receive a crown of thorns. He knows that his hands are going to be pierced with nails. And he has his face and his mind set on Jerusalem for what he's going to do for the entire humankind, saving them from their sins. He has his face set there. He knows his mission. He knows what he's called to do. He knows what's about to happen. And he sets his eyes and his face towards the city of Jerusalem where this is going to take place, where he'll die for the sins of mankind. It says that he's ministering in Samaria with Samaritans and all 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance. So there's two things here that are against these 10 leopards, okay? Two, two things here. First of all, one of them is that they're Samaritans, okay? They're Samaritans, meaning that they're hated by both Jews and they're hated by Gentiles. They're hated by all people. So not only are they hated and mistreated by large groups of people, all these men have leprosy, this skin disease, this formality on their skin. 
Okay, so these two things are against these people. Not only are they pr- not privileged, not only are they not liked, not only are they mistreated, okay, and they're aligning with the emperor, but not only that, they have this nasty skin disease all over their body. The law required, and we read this in Numbers, okay, if you want a great read, read the book of Numbers. That's a joke. The law says this, command the people of Israel that they put out of the camp everyone who is leprous or has a discharge and everyone who is unclean through contact with the dead. You shall put out both male and female, putting them outside the camp that they may not defile their camp in the midst of where I dwell. And the people of Israel did so and put them outside the camp. And the Lord said to Moses, so the people of Israel did. What's, what's happening here? What's happening is these individuals, because they deal with this leprosy, are at a distance and they're being forgotten. Okay, nobody likes them. They're already hated by groups of people. And now this, this skin disease that they have is causing them to stand at a distance, being forgotten, being left alone, and nobody cares for these individuals. They respond to Jesus by saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. This amazing thing that they call out to Jesus and that he responds to their request. He says to them, I want you to go on your way to the priest to be cleansed. And on their way, they're cleansed of their leprosy. They're all cleansed. They all head to the priest. And on their way there, they're all cleansed. Let me ask you a question. It's not a trick question. How many were cleansed? Come on, try it again. How many are cleansed? Ten are cleansed. All ten are cleansed from this skin disease called leprosy. All ten are cleansed. All 10 have experienced the same miracle. All 10 have experienced the same healing. All 10 have now gone from being forgotten to being remembered. All 10 have walked the same journey on their way to to the temple to receive the same healing. All 10 instantly recovered. All 10 were treated as equal. All 10 received the same treatment. All 10 were healed. And what's the difference? One. Only one out of the ten. What does he do? Only one, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. Only one. How how many were healed? How many returned? One. Only one comes back to respond to Jesus And I love this. This is a favorite Luke theme. He praises God with a loud voice. This verse and this chapter was meant for my personality, okay? This was meant for me, okay? He praises God with a loud voice. You know what I'm known for? You know what people make fun of me about? You know what I've been teasing about for years? Is how loud my voice is, right? I go to my favorite store, Fred Meyer, and people will say, man, you were at Fred Meyer today. I said, yeah, I was. I didn't see you. They're like, no, 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 I, I didn't need to see you. I heard you. Right? I I love it, okay? I'm just going to lean into my loud voice here because this is what God's given me. I'm a preacher. But he praises God with a loud voice, and I love this. You know why I love this? Because in our culture, we get loud about a lot of things. We get loud when someone cuts me off in traffic. We get loud when there's a fumble on the first play of the Thursday night game. We get really loud, okay? We get loud. 
We get, we get loud when things don't go our way. We get loud when we're angry. We get loud when we feel like there's injustice happening to us. We get loud and we raise our voices when we're impatient, when our kids don't listen, when things aren't turning out the way that we want. But what I love about this person who has leprosy, the one, what I love is getting loud about Jesus. He's getting loud about who Jesus is in his life. He's getting loud about the difference that Jesus made in his life in this moment. Can I just encourage you? Maybe you need to stop getting loud at the person who cuts you off and you need to start getting loud about Jesus in your workplace. Maybe you need to start getting more loud about what you believe and why you believe it and less about the political climate or our world is failing. Maybe what God's calling you to do today out of this passage is just to get loud and lift up the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, it's awesome that he gets loud about Jesus and his healing. It's not like, oh, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, Jesus, come here real quick. Where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? Hey, thanks a lot. No shame here. He's not worried about the other nine. He's not worried about their response. He's not worried about how they respond to Christ. He's not worried about whether or not they do what he did. No, he's going to go back. He's going to find Jesus, and he doesn't care about what people are saying about him. He doesn't care how they respond. He's not responsible for them. He's responsible for himself, and you know what he does? He gets loud, and he gets on his knees. He gets loud, and he gets on his knees, and he says, praise God. Praise God. He saved me. Praise God, he healed me. Praise God for what he's done in my life. And what happens for you and I is when God moves in our lives, what happens if we operate in gratitude is it causes us to get on our knees and thank God for what he's done. That's what it requires. It's amazing. I love this. He's giving Jesus thanks. Jesus, I'm so thankful for what you've done for me. You've changed my life. You've given me healing. I'm overwhelmed with joy. I can't even stand up. I can't stay standing. The things that you've done in my life caused me to fall at my knees and thank you for what you've done. That's gratitude, my friends. That's gratitude. That's seeing gratitude. He goes on, he says, and by the way, this man was a Samaritan. Ooh. Oh, and by, by the way, th this man was a Samaritan. He, he, he was the guy that nobody liked. He's the guy that's been outcasted, that's hated by both Jews and non-Jews. He's the guy that represents a group of people that's despised by that culture today. And yet it's him who responds in gratitude and thanksgiving. You know what that teaches us? That the gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to reach any person, no matter their background. The gospel is not for the elect or for those who are affluent. It's meant for any person who's broken and hurting and cries out to Jesus. God is no respecter of persons. He has no favorites. And the Samaritans, in the themes of Luke, Luke is reminding us that Jesus has come for the poor. He's come for the hurting. He's come for the outcasts. He's come for the tax collector. He's come for the Samaritans. And yeah, he's come for the Samaritans. How good of a God is that? That he comes for the least, the unliked, 
and the broken. I love Jesus' questions, right? Like he already knows the answer here. Didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give God or give glory to God except this foreigner? See, what's amazing about the Bible is that you and I have to always step back when we read the scriptures and go, okay, all right, where, where, where's Andrew in the story? All right, who, who am I in this story? Okay, well, I don't think anybody wants to be Jesus, okay? So no one's gonna claim that card, okay? We're not gonna be the priests that they're on their way to, so we have to ask ourselves, all right, okay, if I'm gonna place myself in this story, all right, man, I just wanna be the one I want to be the one so bad. You do too. You want to be the one so bad that comes back to Jesus. And you're like, Jesus, thank you, gosh, you're so amazing. Thank you. We want to place ourselves in this story as the one. So bad that returns. But if we're really honest today, if I'm really honest today, I fall way more in line with the other nine. I do. I fall way more in line to what they do. Why? Because I take for granted and I'm prone to wander and I'm prone to forget the blessings and the gifts and the restoration that Jesus has done in my life. I'm so that way. I'm so prone to focus on what I don't have rather than focusing on what I do have. I'm so focused on complaining rather than uplifting. And if I place myself in this story, if you and I place ourselves in this story and then we're honest, we would say, you know, I'm not the one. I wish I was, but I'm not. Because God blesses us with health. He blesses us with great jobs. He blesses us with beautiful families. He blesses us with roofs over our heads. In fact, in our nation, you and I are like in the top one to 2% of wealth worldwide, right? We're not really lacking God blesses us with a church family and relationships and connection. He blesses us with opportunities to serve and be a part of his mission. He blesses us with leaders and parents and friendship and relationship. He blesses us with children and families. He blesses us with providing his word. He blesses us with salvation and sanctification. He blesses us with great neighbors and great friends. He blesses us with great families. And what are we prone to do with all these blessings? We are prone to forget that some Somehow, this was our own doing. You know what we like to do? We like to give ourselves credit. We like to show the rap sheet. Look at everything I've done. Look at all that I've accomplished. We're so prone to be the other nine and to not turn back. We're, we're prone to this. And I love how Jesus ends this story. He says, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. So we don't understand that when we read it. Go, his faith has healed you, but he's already healed. No, no, no. What's happening here, if you really read this and study this, what's happening here is for this one person, salvation has come into his life. Salvation has taken root in his heart. Why? Because it wasn't just about a physical healing. It was about the one who healed 
See what I'm saying? It wasn't just about the physical healing for him. It was about him recognizing this is the Messiah. This is the Lord. This is the king of all the earth. And I should and I want to bow down and worship to him and give him thanks. And that gratitude and that sincere response to his healing, Jesus says, this kind of faith is what saved you, my friend. Salvation has come into your life. You've believed in me. You've believed in my message. And that is what gratitude does. What happens in our lives is gratitude, when it takes root in our lives, has the power to save our lives. Because we begin to look at everything in life as a gift and a blessing rather than something that we deserve. In studying this week, I found this commentary that I think just nails it on the head. And I'll give you some practical steps here today. The author, it's a little long, but I really like what he says about this passage. He says, we should stop in the midst of life's activities as the Samaritan did and give thanks. A healthy proportion of time spent with God reflecting on his care and goodness may save us from the bitter pills we tend to swallow because we move so hectically through life. The reaction of the nine in not returning to give thanks to Jesus shows how often we tend to take God's gracious actions for granted. I've made it a habit to thank God for his grace virtually every time I pray. I hope this is not merely a formulaic exercise, but a way of concretely expressing from the heart gratitude for those many gifts that come from him daily. When the blessings of life are seen as a result of God's grace, it makes us into gentler, more grateful people. Such an attitude prevents us from assessing life in terms of what we are owed, an attitude that can sow seeds of anger and bitterness. You see, this is what gratitude looks like. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Revelations eleven seventeen, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. I'm just going to give you four thoughts here you can walk away with today if you're taking notes. If you want to see gratitude, to really see it, couple takeaways for you here. Gratitude is directly connected to contentment. To truly see gratitude, I'm going to encourage you to do the following. It's so connected to contentment and being satisfied with what we have in this life. These three things here. Number one, stop. 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 Do you know how easy it is to move hectically through life? You know how easy it is just to fill the calendar with everything? Stop. You know what I'm finding more and more in my life that I, I'm starting to feel bad about? That when people ask me, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Hey, what do you got going on? And I say, I'm going to be at home with my family, changing diapers and vacuuming. People are like, oh, okay. 
It's like we got, a, we got this compare, comparing spirit with each other that, oh, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, well, I'm going here, and I'm doing that, and I'm going this, and I got this going on, and that going on, and la, 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 and ooh, 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 and ah, ha, ha. I mean, the, the, is it just me? But I feel this way so much. It's like, oh, well, what are you doing after church on Sunday? I'm going to go get some food and then take a nap. Oh, why well, I got this? And it's like, when did we forget to stop. What is it about the holidays that makes us go, ah, ah, ah? And yet Jesus would call you and I today in the season of gratitude just to time out. It's like Saved by the Bell, that show, remember it? If you were from my generation, it's like time out, right? And you get to look at the scene, everything's paused. It's like, just stop. Busyness does not equate to spiritual growth. Busyness does not equate to spiritual maturity. What happens in the story of the the man with leprosy is he stops. He stops. He realizes, I'm healed. I'm healed. Do do you ever just stop and, and go, oh my word, my... My life, this house, my kids, my family, my church, God. Oh, God. But you cannot do that when you're, you can't do it. You cannot do it unless you stop. Number one, you got to stop. Number two, you got to turn back. Honestly, if you struggle deeply with comparing yourself or complaining or you find yourself just agitated, if you can, just take a time out. You have to lock yourself in the bathroom away from your kids. Take a time out. And you stop and you begin to just turn back for a minute. You, You begin to realize, oh my, it's not just here in the now that I'm blessed and and fortunate. Oh my word, remember when we almost got in that car wreck and God spared? Do you remember when they were worried about so and so, but then God touched? Do you remember when you were out of a job, but then God? Do you remember? So you turn back. If you really want a good read, read the book of De- Deuteronomy. You want to talk about what it means to remember what God has done and to pause and look back? Moses, in his old age before he dies, says, Hey, remember the Lord. Remember when he took you from the Red Sea? Remember when he provided the food from heaven? Remember when all the blessings came and turn back and look and see what God's done? Lastly, we're called to reflect, to give God praise, to look at how good and gracious God has been and stop to acknowledge it. I'm gonna have the worship team make their way forward as I wrap up this message today. To reflect to stop, to turn back, to reflect. Do I think these are popular in our culture today? Absolutely not. Do I think it's easy to stop, to turn back, and to reflect? Absolutely not. In about 15 minutes from now is the hecticness of life and the craziness of this week and four days till Thanksgiving. Is it just going to go, 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 go? Yeah, there's going to be a temptation continually to go, 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 and go. But what I love about this person in Luke is he says, no, 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 Jesus has done something significant in my life and I'm gonna choose to say thank you. I'm gonna choose to go back and praise you. I'm gonna choose to go back and look at all the blessings I have in my life. 
Here's a bonus one for you here. It sounds so dorky, but gratitude is an attitude. It sounds so cheesy, I know, but I love it. Gratitude, it's an attitude. It is. It is an attitude to live a life where you are grateful for the things God has given you and has done for you. It is an attitude. It is something that you have to practice. It is something that God's calling each and every one of us to. You know, four days from now is Thanksgiving. Gathering around the table, some of us are gonna eat dark meat, boo. Some of us are gonna eat white meat, thank you Jesus, okay? Four days. And maybe like my family, maybe you'll gather around and you'll share different things you're grateful for. Oh, hey, what are you grateful for? Oh, and what are you grateful? Maybe not. I don't know what kind of traditions come into your life this week. Maybe you're the crazy animals that wake up at 5 a.m. or don't sleep on Thursday night for Black Friday. I don't know. But four days from now, we're going to have Thanksgiving and all the festivities and all the wonderful time with family and friends. And it's a beautiful time. But here's what I know about gratitude. Gratitude is bigger than a holiday in November. Gratitude is bigger than gathering with your family and telling them what you're grateful for. It is a mindset. It doesn't just call us in mid-November to be grateful and thankful for all that God's done us. It calls us to wake up every day as that guy wrote and to thank God for the great blessings and gifts that he's given us. That's what it calls us to. I tell people all the time, I am living the best days of my life right now. I don't believe it's getting any better than this right now. I believe it. I got a beautiful family. I have a wife that loves me. I got a mom and a mother-in-law that care deeply for, I got a great family on both sides. I got a church that I get to love and pastor and care for. I got friends, I got relationships. I got people in my life. And I need God to stop me. I need him to stop me in my tracks. I need him to stop me from the rat race to acknowledge and recognize that it's not getting better than this, Andrew. It's only getting better from here. It's only getting more beautiful. It's only getting more grace-filled. And I just believe with all my heart by the power of the Holy Spirit that God is gonna sweep into your life this week and he's gonna slow you down. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, he's gonna tell you to stop what you're doing. I believe in the coming weeks throughout this series, there's things that you're gonna have to change in your life, not just around the holidays, but for January 2019 to be a whole different year to where you can take life and enjoy what you have. You can take life and soak up everything that God's given you. That's my prayer for you today. Once you bow your heads with me today. Man, God, I just thank you for today. I know I get emotional sometimes, God, but I'm passionate about stopping and reflecting and looking back at all that you've done. God, it's not just a holiday that should remind us for, of gratitude. It should be an everyday thing. I thank you for these 
this story, God, of these 10 men with leprosy. God, I want to admit today, I I wish I was the, the one that comes back, but I'm prone not to. Would you help me in that today? Would you help us in that today? Would you help us see gratitude for what it is? Would you call us again to recognize the many blessings that you've given us? The joys of this life. The memories we get to share with our loved ones. The the peace, God, that passes all understanding. Would you, right now in this moment, help us to stop? Help us to reflect, God, on all that you have done for us today. It's in your good name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Snohomish Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.